Thank you, Jeff. We appreciate all of you who helped lead us in worship on Sunday morning and Sunday nights, but we're grateful that we have layers of people that serve and that can help us. And we're grateful that while David and Laura are out catching a much needed rest this weekend, we have people like Jeff Epps and the others who can step in. And so we're thankful for them. Amen. Let me encourage you tonight to turn for a few moments to 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 7. 2 Corinthians 9, verse 7. I want to spend some moments before we look at a video that the staff has prepared for you to help you as we look at our budget for next year and some other things that we need to do tonight in the way of a business session. But before we do that and take the time to do that, I want to share with you some thoughts from 2 Corinthians 9, verse 7. The title of this evening's message is Open-Hearted Giving. Open-Hearted Giving. 2 Corinthians 9, verse 7. I'm going to read the whole passage, but we're going to, we're going to focus on verse 7, but I'm going to start in verse 5. So I thought it necessary to urge the brothers to visit you in advance and finish the arrangements for the generous gift you had promised. Then it will be ready as a generous gift, not as one grudgingly given. Remember this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Each man should give what he has decided in his heart to give not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to make all grace abound to you, so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. As it is written, he has scattered abroad his gifts to the poor, his righteousness endures forever. Now he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will also supply and increase your store of seed and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. You will be made rich in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion. And through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. One of the reasons Paul wrote 2 Corinthians was to follow up essentially on a fundraising effort that had begun in the first letter that was mentioned in 1 Corinthians. The believers in Jerusalem were being persecuted and they were suffering financially as a result of that persecution. And now Paul's offering an opportunity for the Gentile churches around the world, as they understood the world, to participate in an offering to help alleviate the suffering of the Jerusalem saints. So he started this collection process. He's going church by church. They had made a commitment. In, his, in response to his earlier letter, the Corinthians had pledged to support the Jerusalem church by taking the offering and sending it. But as of this writing in 2 Corinthians, they've not yet done it. They made a commitment to do it, but they've not yet followed through on that pledge. Now, we don't know why they didn't follow through, follow through on that pledge. Maybe times had gotten tougher in Corinth. And they were concerned for their own financial needs. Maybe there was no hardship, but they just wanted to keep the funds that they had for themselves. Whatever the reasons, they were reluctant to part with the money that they had committed. 
But there's more going on here than just a fundraising appeal on Paul's part. He's talking about a lifestyle, not just a one-time gift. And according to Paul in this passage of Scripture, and this completely goes against what you would expect, he is saying that the best way to deal with financial pressure is to give generously. The best way to deal with financial pressure, he says, is to give generously. The word generous appears six times in the seven verses that I read. And it literally means, this word generous in the text, in English, you know, it means to to give liberally. But in the original language, it means to be open-hearted, to give with an open heart towards someone. And hence, the title of the message, open-hearted giving. What is open-hearted giving? I just want to focus on one verse, verse 7, out of these other verses. Verse 7. What is open-hearted giving? Number one, open-hearted giving is personal. Open-hearted giving is personal. He starts off the verse saying each man should give. And so in verse 7, Paul clearly expects every believer to participate, to give something for this offering. Now, there were all kinds of people in this church. We know it because of the way he spoke to them. There were slaves, there was a working class, there were wealthy persons. There were all kinds of persons in this church. Some had a lot they could give, some had very little to give. But he didn't expect them all to give the same amount, but he did expect all of them to give. And he challenged them in that way. The same is true in the church. The same is true for the church today. Open-hearted giving begins with the individual. It begins with you, begins with me. Every Christ follower is invited to give, and there are no exceptions. Now, according to one survey that I came across, they said that only about 31%, let me turn it around, 31% of people who attend church give little or nothing. Let's put it that way. 31% of church members give little or nothing to their churches. Now, sometimes in a large church, individual members may think, well, it doesn't matter whether I give or not. Well, it does matter. Um, your gifts matter to every area of the life of this church, as well as to the missionaries and the mission organizations and the ministries that we support beyond our walls. All of that matters. But what Paul's saying here is it matters not only to those who receive the gift, but it matters to you as an individual. It affects you and your life. It affects what you have or don't have. It affects your heart. It affects your relationship to God. And that's what he calls their attention to. So open-hearted giving is personal. Each person should give. But open-hearted is not only personal, it's also thoughtful. Open-hearted giving is thoughtful. Each man should give what he has decided in his heart to give. He's, he's thought about it. He's reflected on it. He's, he doesn't tell you to give impulsively. He doesn't tell you to give haphazardly. He says, think about what you'll give. Look at your income. Look at your assets. Think about it. Talk it over with someone. If your pattern of giving is to wait until there's an emotional appeal, if your pattern of giving is to wait and to sporadically give when you feel like it, it's not going to be enough to sustain the work of God. And more than likely, you're not going to be ready to give if that's how you give. 
No, he says that you think about it, you decide, you make a decision, you, you make a commitment related to your giving. The person who gives thoughtfully and consistently is likely to give more over the course of a year than the person who tosses in a few dollars every so often. How do you arrive at a commitment? Interestingly, the New Testament never tells us how much to give. And you say, well, what about tithing, Pastor? Well, I'll get there in just a moment. You don't worry. But the New Testament does not speak to us as clearly as we would like about that matter. If you're looking for a specific figure to give, they never tell us how much to give. In fact, the New Testament really doesn't discuss tithing. Can I tell you why? Because everybody just about who was involved in the New Testament was Jewish and they were all tithing. Tithing was what they had done their entire life. And so the early believers were all Jews. They'd been doing this their whole life, and they would have brought that practice with them into the early church. And so when Paul challenges believers to be generous, he has a figure in mind somewhere north of 10%. You understand? He's not thinking generosity until you're above that 10% mark. What the New Testament does teach is proportional giving. In his previous letter to the Corinthians, Paul instructed them to set aside a sum of money in keeping with their income. In contrast to that, studies reveal that the average Christian gives about 2% of their income. I don't believe that's what Paul had in mind when he talks about generous giving. So generous, open-hearted giving is not only personal and thoughtful, but thirdly, open-hearted giving is passionate. It is passionate. Look at what it says. Each man should give what he has decided in his heart to give. The transaction, the decision occurs in the person's heart. We certainly should be thoughtful, we certainly should be reasonable, but we ought to give passionately as well. If my giving is simply a matter of making a cold calculation, and I write a number out, and then I write the check, and I simply give it, if that's the extent of my giving, I'm not yet giving the way he intends me to give. It should be a decision of the heart. I should feel something. When I write out a check and I drop it in an offering plate or I give it to the church, that feeling might be a feeling of gratitude to God for all that he has given me and then I can give in return. It might be a feeling of compassion, knowing that when I give, certain ministries are helped and people are helped or missionaries are helped because of my gift. It might be a twinge of anxiety. Can I really afford to do this? And so it becomes a step of Faith, trusting that if I give this, God is going to take care of me. But if I don't feel anything when I give, it's not open-hearted giving. And then finally, number four, giving, open-hearted giving should be personal, thoughtful, and passionate. But open-hearted giving is also cheerful. The person should be giving not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. Grumpy Mindless giving does not impress the Lord. If you're simply giving out of a sense of duty or because the preacher made you feel guilty or for fear that God will punish you, you are better off not giving. But I don't mind if you want to give anyway. Sometimes you'll hear people say you should give till it hurts and they're talking about sacrificial giving and there are times when we should give that way. But what the scripture says here is that God loves a cheerful giver. I heard a pastor say one time, to give till it feels good. 
And I, I feel that I agree with that statement. God loves a cheerful giver. You know what's interesting about that word cheerful? The Greek word under, underneath it is eloros. And you can almost hear the English word that comes from that. Hilarious. And it means merry. God loves a merry giver. God loves a glad giver. God loves a hilarious giver. I would not be surprised if we all fully understood the meaning of the verse if the next time we took an offering there wasn't an outburst of giggling in the congregation. <laughs> if we understood how much God is impressed, not by the amount of our gifts, because what does God need? It's not the size of our gift, the amount of our gift. We may be doing that, it may be an act of obedience, but what he is most impressed by is the attitude in your heart and my heart when we actually give. God loves a cheerful giver. And so how do we respond to the truth of this verse 7, 2 Corinthians 9? I think we can respond to it. If you're here tonight and you've never trusted the Lord Jesus as your Savior, can I just talk to you about how the Lord gave to you? You know, one of my favorite verses, I talk about it all the time on Sunday morning, we talk about giving is John 3, 16. We talk about the gospel. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. You know, I'm not six kids. I got six kids. I don't know one I would give up. And I got a grandson. I can't imagine giving him up. And Jesus was the precious son of God. He was precious to God himself. The Father loves the Son. The Son always did what pleased the Father. Can you imagine that? Always did what pleased the Father. He brought pleasure to him. Behold, this is my Son in whom I'm well pleased. He was delighted with Jesus Christ. He loved him. And he took this person who was the most precious person to him, his only begotten Son, and he gave his only begotten Son for you. Now, what does that say about how God thinks about you and how much he values you? For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him and trusts their whole life to him shall not perish but will have everlasting life. Friend, tonight, if you've never trusted Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you need to know that God who loves a cheerful giver. He loves cheerful givers because he is a cheerful giver. Gave his son to die on a cross for your sin so that you could be forgiven, so that you could experience the love of God, so that you could become part of the family of God. And when you trust Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, his spirit will come to live inside you and he will begin to change you from the inside out. Everything necessary to accomplish your salvation, he's already done. There's nothing you can do to make yourself better, nothing you can add to what Jesus has already done. When we stand and sing in just a moment, if you need to trust Jesus as your Lord and Savior, I want to invite you to come. Slip out of the pew, just come on down. There'll be pastors standing at the end of each aisle. They'll talk with you. They'll answer your questions. They'll share Scripture with you. One of the things I love is being able to share Scripture with someone. Let them read that Scripture for themselves and see for themselves how a person can be saved. And so we invite you to come. And then, brothers and sisters, tonight, we're going to have a business session in just a moment. 
But as we think about the Lord's money, how can we do that and not think about our giving? Our own giving. And what it represents. And how's my heart when I give? And have I thought about my giving? Do I think about it as I do it? Do I do it with merriness, merriment in my soul? Let me ask you to bow your heads and to close your eyes. Father, thank you, Lord, for the privilege we have to be a part of a wonderful church like this. And we have been blessed in so many ways as a church family. And Lord, I've only been here a couple years, but I see your blessing over the decades on this church family. And we bless you for that, and we thank you for it. And Father, I pray that for each of us, whatever the next level is in our journey of faith, in our giving, that you would strengthen our hearts to take that step. Father, I pray for that person here tonight, man or woman, boy or girl, that is ready to trust you and receive you as Lord and Savior into their life. We pray, Lord, you would cause them to be bold and to publicly make that commitment known. Fathers, we worship you now as we respond to what you have said to us in your word. We welcome you here. Guide us as we respond to you. In Jesus' name I ask it. Amen. Would you stand with me?
You may be seated. Before we enter our business session, um, the staff has prepared something for you to watch to kind of help you think about our 2015 budget. If you did not pick up the handouts when you came in, you may find them helpful in just a few moments. Um, so if you need to, to slip out and do that, I encourage you to do that, but if you'll hang on just a moment. I want you to see this, uh, this video, something the staff has done to help you think about the 2015 budget. Dustin. I was just, <laughs> you know, I don't know. I was just kind of wound up here. I was sitting in my office and I was thinking about 2015 and thinking about the things I'm looking forward to and which made me think about all the great things that God's done already. 
And, uh, man, I walked up to the orchard, and I was looking around. I was thinking, you know, because people gave, we were able to finish, you know, finish up the orchard and make it a great environment for kids, which led to me thinking about the grow groups that we've started with our dual uh, Bible studies and how those leaders just have really owned that. And, uh, you know, we're teaching the kids servitude. And uh, I even already need more grow leaders. It's mm. pretty amazing. And I was thinking about camp, and I was thinking about going to, you know, Siloam and bringing those kids back, and some rang the bell, and we saw salvations, and we just continue to baptize children, and, you know, not just children, but others in our church, and God keeps blessing so much, we don't even empty the baptistry, it stays full of water. Mm. And then I was thinking about even this guy got ball pit, <laughs> and I was like, you know, I can't even talk to you about this, because mm-hmm. I was worried about, you know, spending some money on something like this, and wanted to see if you wanted to go in together on it, and, you know, every time I walk by, I see somebody in it. And I think about how it just brings, I mean, it's brought so many people together and, and play and just interaction. And it's just, I don't know, it's just kind of been a cool reminder of what God's done. Yeah, man, I love the Gaga ball pit, and the students love it too. I'm, I'm glad, I'm glad we've got the, this pit. It's, it's a lot of fun. I've been thinking the same thing. You know, we took 72 students to camp this summer. Wow. And God worked in their lives, and he, he saved some at camp. And mm. I was counting the other day, and around 200 students have come through our student ministry on Wednesday nights. No kidding. And each one of those kids have had the opportunity to hear the gospel and, and to trust Jesus. And I'm thankful that our, our church gives so that we can do those kinds of things. And through the summer, we, we had a lot of activities for the students. And I know that those activities helped some of those kids that were on the fringe that were thinking about coming to student ministry. Yeah. And, and now they, they came because there was something fun to do, and I know of at least two or three of them that have trusted Christ. Hmm. Every Wednesday night and every Sunday morning, I'm just wondering who, who God's going to save next. Man, I'm cool. excited about 2015 also. With, with this new year coming, we're going to have a D now in January, and we're going to do some of the same things through the summer, some of the same activities, and I wonder who's on the fringe now that God might bring in to his, his family because of what we do this summer. Count yeah. your wow. blessings, name them what. What are y'all doing? We're just reflecting over all the great things God's done. You know, just the way the church has worked Man, out. You, you're not going to believe this. Just walk into the building, count the blessings of the Lord. You're not going to believe this. I was just thinking back. I thought of all the opportunities this past year in the music and worship ministry. Can I get in here? Good, sure. Come on. Man. For us to love the Lord lavishly and by our love expose others to his goodness. I was thinking, man, we, we've seen so many new people not just come to our church but get plugged in to service mm. and ministry. Mm-hmm. And, man, I am fired up about that. We saw our student choir back for our second year of ministry come on strong and, and begin to minister outside the walls. Yeah. They've been to two assisted living homes already this fall, and I'm fired up about that. Uh, there, there is uh, um, people plugged in playing instruments, people plugged in singing, boys and girls from third grade all the way up to our most seasoned Veterans like Miss Thelda, who've been serving 60 <laughs> plus years wow. in our church, all serving wow. together, helping us love God each and every week that we meet. Yeah. I am fired up. Oh. oh, hey, there you guys are. What are you guys Mike? doing? Hey, Mike. 
And we're just hanging out, talking about how God has blessed our church and, and what he's been doing over the past year and what, he hope he, what we hope he does over this coming year. So y'all weren't going to play Gaga Ball? <laughs> Looks kind of like it does. Okay, look. Brother Don's looking for you guys. we got to go. I'd rather play Gaga Ball than sit in a meeting with him all day, but that's what he asked for, man. So we, we probably ought to go. But, but you were talking about, you know, what God's been doing and what we've been able to do this year and what we've seen God accomplish through our people. And I was thinking about that thing the other day. And, you know, one of the things we've been able to do is send uh, 33 people to uh, share the gospel overseas and uh, in Oregon. And we went and helped them do work. But you know, the other thing is through our faith budget, people have been giving to that all year long. And we currently sponsor three church plants, one down in uh, Forest City with Chanson. And y'all know Chanson, y'all oh, met yeah, him. Man. And then uh, Chris Sims of The Way, y'all met him at the Global Impact Conference. He's up in Casper. And then the other one is Zach Minton. And uh, he's been helping plant churches up in Spokane. And that's been incredible. Then I was thinking, as far as discipleship, we had almost 200 people involved in, in uh, the 242 groups this summer. I mean, y'all were involved in that, oh, that and that was, was awesome. cool. And then y'all remember the transition to, to two Bible studies and how our people were so faithful and through their giving, they were able to help us to able to do that. And so, man, it, it's, been, it's been an amazing year, especially for me in my first year. Man, it's been awesome. Cut! Also wanted to add that the media ministry is very blessed this year as well. <laughs> We were able to add four new cameras in our sanctuary so we could start our internet campus. So that means you can watch it online, live streaming on Sundays. They always get camera time. I have to say something. And action. Uh -oh. Hey, there they are. I told them you were looking for us. What, what is going on? What's happening here? <laughs> We're just thinking about all the great stuff that God's done at Wynn Baptist just over the last year and excited about things to come. That's all. Todd actually tried to get me. I came to go get him, but he tried to get me to play Gaga. He could barely. Said, no, we have got a meeting. Don has important things for us to discuss. He can't hardly step over the rail anyway. You know? <laughs> well. Guys, I'm glad we're meeting like this. <laughs> and um, you, you all have been talking about ministry here at Wynn Baptist and uh, the different things that the church has invested in right here. But we got to keep in mind that so much of what our people give goes beyond our walls. In fact, some 15% of every dollar that's given uh, ultimately goes outside Wynn Baptist Church to help ministries here in Arkansas and across North America and literally around the world. Wow. In fact, so much of our investment has gone overseas that last year Wynn Baptist Church ranked 38th in the nation in giving through the Lottie Moon Christmas offering, which is our offering for foreign missionaries. That's right. And uh, so it is really cool to be a part of a church that gives like that. And I'm excited about what's coming up next year uh, as, we, as our, our folks give and as our volunteers serve and as we work together. Uh, I'm really excited about what's coming. Yeah. So this is the Gaga Pit? Yeah, this is it. Yeah. All right. In all its glory, it's an well, octagon. What, while we're here. No way. Why not? Oh, no way. Let's do it. Let's hit Game it. on. Okay. <laughs> Hand on the wall. Ga. Ga. Ball.
Okay. I hope that's prepared your heart for what we're about to do. Uh, I want to call your attention to uh, several handouts, but first we'll consider ourselves now in a special called business meeting. And our purpose tonight primarily is to prove uh, several recommendations that we want to bring to you tonight. I think those are all printed for you. Uh, you had opportunity to pick those up as you came in. Uh, let me begin, if, if we may, uh, by praying for us. Some of you may be wondering, why are we doing this in November? Uh, this is a 2015 budget and so forth. This is our last regular kind of a Sunday night where we can do uh, this kind of business. Uh, next week we're off. The week after that we have our, our uh, Love Came Down Choir uh, presentation. Uh, the night after that will be... Um, uh, the Sunday, is that right? I'm doing the math here. The Sunday before East, uh, Easter, December, Christmas. <laughs> and we have our candlelight service that night. That's not a great night. We do the Lord's Supper, everything else. That's not a good night to do our business session. So in any event, this was the best time for us to do it. And we did it on the same Sunday last year. Let me pray for us as we begin, and we'll enter into our business session. Father, we, we enjoy walking with you in a place called wind. We thank you, Lord, for every dollar that is given and entrusted to this church. And Father, we want to be faithful to handle your, your funds according to your will and in a way that honors you. So we welcome you into this meeting. We ask that you would guide every mind, order every heart, and may what happens here not only please you, but may it fully reflect your heart for the world, for America, for Wynn, Arkansas. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. 